From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Stay tuned after the show for a brief announcement. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast, everyone. I'm Jonathan Moriarty. Joining me this week are my co-hosts, Maddie McLean. Hello. And Sean Jackman. Hello. And uh, it is the first Tuesday of the month, and that means it's time for Game Spotlight. We're going to throw the spotlight this month on one of the heavier games in the cafe, but one that is very, very exciting to some of us. The title of the game is Kemet, or Kemet. It's K-E-M-E-T. I'm honestly not quite sure how to pronounce the game. It's meant to be all Egyptian sounding. And boy, oh boy, this sure looks about as Egyptian as a 1970s van with something painted on the side of it. It just looks so, <laughs> really, I mean, it's, it's so brightly colored and so violent and bizarre and mystical. It just looks gorgeous. Uh, now, that's, that's the lid, of course. The inside of the box is much more subdued than that. A uh, lovely board of the banks of the Nile, beautiful pieces, these pyramids, and of course, troops ready to kill each other. Kemet is a dudes on a map game. We haven't done an episode about dudes on a map yet, but we're going to be talking about that sometime. I put my dudes on the map, you put your dudes on the map, and we fight. And boy, do we ever fight. So, Sean, you've played uh, Kemet some. Yep. Uh, how do you feel about it? Uh, I think it's a pretty amazing, like, I mean, it is an area control game. You mm -hmm. are, but I mean, it's different in that you're not so much fighting over territory. I mean, yeah, uh, control is kind of uh, less important yeah. than just kicking butt. My, my natural instinct in a game like this is to like turtle, build up my forces before I ever venture out to do battle. But I mean, you'll just get, you'll get killed in this game because <laughs> it's not about area. It's about points, you know? So the I points mean, you mostly get by beating people up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, the, the game is beautiful. And one thing you forgot to mention is the amazing miniatures. Oh, they're so cool. Yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't enough for them to have separate colored minis for each side, but you know the, the red minis are... And are, are, are specific to the red player and the black minis are different and they've got their own like the ones who worship the crocodile god have a little alligator tail and the ones who worship the hawk god have these feathered headdresses and stuff they just look so cool oh, yeah, totally. let's see uh, Matt have you played Kemet? I have not played Kemet but I am a pretty big fan of the dudes on the map series I love what kind of games uh, what are some of your favorites in the genre well I grew up with Risk I used to play my friends at it all the time I grew up uh, well in the past couple years I discovered Small World which mm -hmm. I also really mm -hmm. enjoyed yeah. Uh, so when you told me about this game initially, I was very excited for it, and I feel like it would possibly be a good fit for, you know, my library down the road. For sure. <laughs> it's it's interesting uh, com to compare Risk with Small World with Kemet, because in Risk the deal is to take and to hold territory. In Small World the idea is to take and to hold territory, at least for a turn, because you get paid right. for how much territory you control. With Kemet, it doesn't really matter how much territory control. All that matters is how many fights have you gotten into and won. Territory can make you stronger and make your armies better and more powerful at beating up the other players. But what it's all about ultimately is going, getting into a fight, and if you win, you score a point. It's not good enough for somebody to attack you and win. You have to attack them and win. Yeah. And that's the secret to it. As, as you were saying, Sean, the, the dudes on a map genre tends to get kind of static. You know, oh, yeah. players set up their lines of defense... They, uh, and they kind of you know, build and build and build, and not much of anything happens for quite right. a while. For sure. Uh, but in Kemet, the victory goes to whoever gets out there and, and kicks them. It's, it's, it's about being active. It's about participating and getting involved in the other players' faces. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, it's more than that too, which is interesting. I mean, if it was just that with uh, its interesting battle system and it's like kind of turning the area control uh, idea on its head uh, by forcing the, the issue of the battle. But on top of it, it's got this really cool uh, technology system where you're oh, trying yeah. to develop. Oh yeah, best upgrade yeah. system ever. We're going to go into detail about that later on in the episode. But uh, for sure, we're going to come back to that. First, let's talk about what it's like to set up the game and what it looks like when you actually have it set up on the table. It's got this huge board. Uh, it's a double-sided board. There's one side for if you've got three or five players and one side for if you've got two or four. And it's, uh, it, it seems fairly empty at first. It's, it's desert, mostly, because, you know, Egypt, and you've got the Nile River bisecting it there, and you've got these temples in key locations. But it doesn't stay that way for long, because you put these pyramids, these colorful pyramids on there. You put these armies on there, more color gets added. And because the board is so neutral, it's really easy to spot them. You know, it's really nice stuff. And you get this whole array of upgrade tiles. You've got red ones, which are good for attacking. You've got blue ones, which are good for defending, and white ones, which are good for infrastructure and money and stuff. Uh, when you have the board all set up, it looks really impressive. Uh, Sean, how long do you figure it takes to actually get things to the point where you're actually ready to play? Um, well, it takes it, it does take a little bit of time to set up because, especially for first-time players, you're going to want to lay out the uh, the technology tiles mm -hmm. um, in in a way that people can easily access them and, and see them. And I like to lay out uh, the giant, you know, uh, monsters that come along with uh, certain technology tiles. Did we mention on the game comes tile. with giant monsters? The game comes with giant monsters. There's a giant stag beetle that you can buy and your troops can ride it into battle. There's a, there's a phoenix. There's, oh. What is your so you guys have mentioned a lot about the parts and the pieces and the monsters. Mm -hmm. So which, which element do you control? Like, are you controlling the monsters or the pieces or the cards? That's a great question. Uh, beside the board, each player's got their own individual little player mat. And on this player mat, there's a sort of the little sections of things you can do. Uh, yeah, so um, on each turn, what you're going to do is, is it's almost kind of worker placement like in how a turn is going to be structured. Uh, you've got five actions and you're going to go in uh, player order to choose your actions. You can do. So when uh, it's my turn, I'm going to take yeah. one of my little action tokens, I'm going to put it on my little board to do a thing. And then you're going to put an action on your little board to do a thing. Yeah. And so yeah, the, the turns go really quickly, you know, because you only get to do one thing each turn. After everybody's had five turns, all the action tokens are used up. And that's the end of the day. And now it's night, which means we all get some more money and we all get one more card. And we go back to having another round of doing five things. Yeah. So, so everyone has the same boards or everyone has different boards? Everyone, like, everyone's everyone. got their own little board, but my board is the same as yours. It's a bit like, uh, imagine if you're playing Agricola or some other worker placement game. And each player had our own individual board. So I can't block you from doing something. Right. But there's a limit to how many times I can do each thing. Like, there's only two spaces on my little board that have the prayer symbol on it, which means I can only pray twice each day. Yeah. There's, a, there's two spaces that have the, the foot symbol, which means I can move twice each day. Like once by putting a, move, a, a token on there, and then next time it comes around, if I want to move again, I can put another token on the other one, but that's it, no more moving. Um, I mean, prayer points are the currency of the game. So yeah, like you spend much, prayer points yeah. to do stuff. So much of what you're going to do is going to cost you prayer points if you want to upgrade your uh, pyramids, if you want to buy new technologies, if you want to move in certain cases. Um, and so praying allows you to gain those, uh, gain some of those back. Yeah, that's, uh, it, 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 it sort of replenishes your reserve so that you can spend it on doing other things like moving your troops, building your pyramids, and buying upgrades. Now, those upgrades we mentioned before, they come in three colors, and not coincidentally, each player's also got three of these awesome, big, chunky pyramids. Yeah, totally. 
And uh, if you build your red pyramid up to level three, then that means you can buy red powers of level three or less. If you want to buy a level two blue power, then you have to upgrade your blue pyramid up to at least level two. If you manage to upgrade a pyramid all the way up to level four, that's good for a point. It's one of the few other ways to get points apart from attacking people. One of the things I like about the points in this game, though, is that there are permanent points, which are awesome, mm. but there are also temporary points, which can be stolen away from you if somebody takes over control. Exactly. Of, yeah. That you is you, you spend all thing. that effort building a level yeah. four pyramid. That's yeah. great. You've got a point as long as you can hang on yeah. to that pyramid. Yeah. You got to be able. To nobody hold comes it. and takes it from yeah. you. Yeah, I love that. So, how does the fighting work in this game then? Because you keep talking about battles and stuff. Oh. Is it the situation you said day and night cycle? Are those two connected? Or? Well, day is when you take actions and move stuff around and do stuff. Night is sort of like where everybody recharges okay. and gets their actions back, and you get a couple of prayer points, and you get some cards. And you're, you're basically just preparing for the next day. But uh, tell us about the combat system, Sean. It's so good. It's a very cool system. So, I mean, it gets rid of dice or, or any of that sort of element. Everybody has the same set of six battle cards. And uh, each of the battle cards has stats for uh, attack strength, defense, and damage that you're going to do to the other players. So uh, before each battle, uh, you're going to select a card. You can add divine intervention cards sort of uh, sneakily yeah. underneath. You know, the you divine intervention that. cards are little. You can actually sneak one in yeah, underneath yeah. your regular card with some sleight of hand. Then when you flip it over, yeah. it's, oh, look at that. It, I got a little something extra in It here. is awesome. It is it's bluffing. And, and so it depends on the situation. Like e each of the cards is strong. Like each of the cards is, is going to help you and be the best card in a certain situation. But it depends. You're going to add your attack strength from the card to the amount of troops you have, and if you've got any kind of crazy creatures there with you, like if you've got a giant scorpion on your side, that's also going to Yeah, your troops your are going to be strength. a bit more powerful. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, the, the strength number on your card is really the important one. Uh, you both pick one of your attack cards, put it face down, you both reveal at the same time, you take the strength number on your card, you add it to how many guys you brought to the fight, and whoever's the highest total wins, and pushes the other person out of that space. But then we get into the damage and the, uh, and the protection. Yeah. Because uh, for each little red blood drop you have, and that's, that's the damage thing, you get to kill one of the other player's pieces. And for each of the little blue shields you have on your card, you get to ignore one of the other player's red blood drops. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the idea that you can actually win a fight, but not have a troop left alive to claim your victory. Exactly, okay. yeah, so you have that's... to have at least one person still alive to score a point. Yeah. And some of your attack cards will have terrible strength, so you play this, you're going to lose, but they've got a ton of these red blood drops. Yeah. So you play it when you think the other player is playing a strong card, and it's like, okay, I'm going to lose this battle, but you're going to die in yeah, the process of totally, winning it. Totally, You can take everybody with you. But because they play it simultaneously, it's like I put my card down, face down, you don't know what it is, and you put your card down, face down, and I don't know what it is. There's tension. Yeah. You know, there's sweet. drama involved. And once you've used a card, you can't use it again until you've used them all. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a really neat, innovative system. Do you know Do you know any other games that have a similar system? Or well, Lord of the Rings of the Confrontation has that. Uh, you know, you, it's like a Stratego type of thing. I move into your space. We both pick a card. Okay. We reveal. We add the number on our card. The number on our piece. Highest total wins. Uh, the Game of Thrones board game right. brought yes. that as well. That's how the resolve combats in there. It's just a really good system yeah. because uh, it it means that you have clever choices to make, but it's still easy. You know, you just pick a card. Yeah. Add it to him to what you've got, and that's that's it. Highest total wins. All right, Jonathan. So you've told us a lot about the game, but I guess what my question is is who do you really think this game would be good for, and who do you think this game would not be good for? Well, I can tell you who I recommend it for. Basically, uh, any group of players who say we like Risk, what else have you got? Mm -hmm. um, 
because this game just blows Risk right out of the water. It's done in 90 minutes. It's yeah. fast, it's furious, it's swingy as all get out. <laughs> Everybody's in it till the end. You can't count anybody out because you can get such sudden shifts. All it takes is a couple of dramatic moves with the right combination of powers and abilities because I mean, I've mentioned that you know, blue is good for defending, red is good for attacking, but what you can't really get across until you play it is just how dramatically these things can affect the game and how individual they are and how when you collect these things, it really feels like your civilization. And yeah. you put these things together in the right combination, they can just be devastating. Um, if I have one criticism of the game, it's that, and one thing I really wish would be there, especially for the cafe, is uh, the little booklet that explains what all yeah. the tiles do. There's just one. And yeah. you have to constantly pass it around because a big part of it is, a big part of the fun of the game is finding clever combinations. And again, that's, that tells us a lot about the kind of person who would enjoy it. Somebody who likes a game with relatively simple rules but has lots of individual bits that fit together. Anybody who's played Magic the Gathering or Pokemon or these sort of collectible card games, um, people like exceptions-based games of that of that sort of category, like Cosmic Encounter, would love this game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the only the only major drawback I can see to it is that there are a lot of rules, and so it takes a long time to go through them in the teach. I don't like. I find that it is not. The, the rules are not difficult. There's mm -hmm. just a lot of them. They all make sense. They all tie together very well. And the theme does a lot yeah. to help you to, to get into it. It's like you put a thing on a leg, that means you get to do a move. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's fairly straightforward. You, know, you put a thing on there, you get to do one thing. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and, and none of the individual things are all that tricky. As soon as you get into the rhythm, you're there. But it's not what I'd call an accessible game. Yeah, there, there, there is, there is rules to slog through, and I mean, they're each important. You know, like yeah, you want to, and 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 more than that, it's a game that rewards you for really paying attention. Mm. You know, yeah. So the ones who are more into it are going to be better at it. Yeah, but well, I'm someone who has a lot of trouble when it comes to reading rules and instructions. Oh no, no, that, that's and never a problem with snakes and lattes, of course, because never. we have the games <laughs> to uh, to instruct you in these things. We take care of that. Yeah. But for somebody who's uh, sadly and uh, tragically nowhere near the city of Toronto and unable to reach us. Um, well, you know what? It's actually only four pages of rules. Yeah, I, I learned it straight from the rules, like cold, like just they're, they're random rules. They're not that terrible. I mean, most rule books, I, 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 I hate rule books. They're, mm -hmm. just, they're just so, it's, it's really hard to use text to explain these things. It's just yeah. the nature of the medium. But uh, the rule book for this game was not that bad. Yeah. Um, so if, you, if you're willing to have one, if you have one person in your group, you know, who's willing to be that person, who goes to the trouble of reading the book and then explaining it to everybody. It can actually be, uh, it's, it, again, it's not what I call accessible. It is definitely a game player's game. You play this if you want a challenge, uh, not if you want a, you know, a nice relaxing sort of time because you're going to be you know, kicking each other's faces the entire time. <laughs> yeah, but what fun it is. You know? oh, yeah. like when, when I've got my scorpion going against your giant snake, well, I guess that... I mean, that's, through the rules of the game. It's pretty hard to beat. Yeah, we yeah. just forget this. We're too busy going rawr with our yeah, little exactly, guys. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, what do you think, Matty? As a dudes on a map game, is this something uh, that, that that's going to be have any interest for you? Well, it's definitely something you're going to have to check out. That's for sure. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, we hope you've enjoyed this game spotlight on Kemet. Maybe you'll give it have, have a chance to give it a try the next time you come visit us at Snakes. Till then, I'm Jonathan Moriarty with Matty McLean and Sean Jackman. Game on. Are you a ticket to ride player? Snakes and Lattes is holding our Ticket to Ride tournament on Monday, March 3rd. Have some fun playing the fastest selling hobby game in the world, win prizes, and even qualify for a seat at the North American Ticket to Ride Championships at Gen Con this summer. Get your tickets at snakesandlattes.com events. Until then, this is P.T. Douglas. Game on. <laughs>